your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What is going on, Small Business Nation? You'll notice that Andrew is not here today. It's because the pollen trees here in Texas have released everything that they have, and our noses are suffering from it. Mine's a little bit better than Andrew's, so I didn't want to leave our wonderful guest today waiting on us for another week. So here we are with the wonderful Kate Padilla. She is an awesome realtor and serial entrepreneur, but before we get into that, I think we need to break some ice tackling the real issues of today. And that question would be, what was one of your favorite shows as a child? Oh my goodness. So being of the age that I am and uh, of the Disney Channel generation, I watched a lot of Lizzie McGuire and all okay. those related. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the big, uh, what was it, the ABC Saturday morning, the big thing with Doug kicked it off and all that, and Lizzie McGuire uh, was in there, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there too, yep. Yeah, I remember that. I Yeah, I almost asked, instead of, you know, favorite show, whether it was animation or live people, because I also was a kid in the 90s, so kind of grew up throughout that Disney boom there. And we had a mix, I think, of animated and live action shows, and it I think live action kind of took over a little bit there. Well, maybe cartoons coming back now, but my favorite show, I was kind of weird. I like to watch PBS and I really loved Jacques Cousteau's underworld adventures. I don't even know exactly what his show was called, but it was the Jacques Cousteau deep sea diving. I was glued to that every day. I would watch that show. So that's a fun one. <clears throat> but I also enjoyed those Disney shows as well. There's there's yeah. some classics that came out of that era for sure. There are some classics and it's fun now being an adult and having kids that are watching some of the shows. Yes. We're playing classic Looney Tunes for them. Original mm-hmm. Space Jam is one of their favorite movies. Oh, yeah. So able to re-experience them with your kids is kind of fun too. That is kind of fun, especially now they've kind of done some resurgence of some of those shows, too, with an updated yeah. version for now. And that that's fun as well, because yeah. there's nostalgia in it as well as something new to watch. So yeah, I think it's sure. a great angle to take. And I think that's a great point for us to spin off into who you are. Kate Padilla is a realtor and real estate investor in Spencer, Iowa. And as an investor, she went from zero to 30 doors and rental properties in only eight years and that's a lot. I couldn't even imagine having one rental property. So we're going to have to get into that a little bit. And uh, as a realtor, she continued to double her revenue year over year for three years. And now she runs four businesses from home while raising three children. And she probably has, you have to have big plans for the future with those three little ones under you, correct? So welcome to our show, Kate. It is great to have you here. I can't wait to get into this today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So do you want me to just kind of talk about, yeah, I was going to say, so you got four businesses. If we want to start there, (laughs) that serial entrepreneur angle, what are your four businesses that you have? Yeah. So our first one, uh, kind of our biggest one at this point is the rental management. 
Um, right. Like well, you said, we started in 2015 is when we got our first rental house. And it was kind of spurred on by my father-in-law. Actually, he um, we had just bought our house the year before and just had our first baby. And he's like, I want you to buy a rental house. I'm like, yeah, it's in our five-year plan. And yeah. he's like, no, I want, you, I want you to do it this year. I'm like, okay. So yeah. he, he did help us. We had some help with the first two buildings we bought. Um, mm -hmm. that rental house was the first one. It came with a renter, which is great. Um, oh, yeah. and then we haven't had a ton of turnover with that place, which is fantastic. We still own it. We still own all of them. Um, a couple months later, I'm working as, as a writer for our local newspaper and mm -hmm. my husband calls me and he's a contractor and he's like, or he wasn't just in a carpenter for somebody else. Yeah. Then he's like, so there's this building and it's 10 units and it needs a ton of work, but it's super cheap. And I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> where is this headed? And he it turns out we went and saw it. it doesn't it didn't need any work. It was already fully rented. Um, mm -hmm. We went to his dad again and we said, can we borrow money for down payment, you know, for this building? Told him about it. He said, well, let's just pay cash. So we did. Um, so then that was the first 11 units for us. And we mm -hmm. stayed there for three years. And then a couple years later, I thought, you know, let's increase by like six, right? 50%. That's a good number. Right, six yeah. units, that's doable. And that next year we bought our, a fourplex. Um, we leveraged, so we have never brought cash to a table. We leveraged mm -hmm. equity in the buildings we own in order to buy new buildings. So mm. yes. So we were able to leverage the 10 plex that on paper we owned outright, um, mm -hmm. in order to buy, to put the down payment on this fourplex. And then all of his family also bought property in our area. So we went that year from 10 to 48. And yeah. that was a large year for us to go through that much and just process all of that. Since then, we have bought the building and we're in right now, which is kind of under construction here, but it's four apartments right. and then a commercial space. And we are under contract now as well to buy another fourplex that we will rebuild. Nice. So keep that, keep it going, keep it going. Yeah. I, I love something that you said in there. Um, the thing that you said in there that really caught my attention was we didn't use money. We used equity. And for small business nation out there, we have these small business owners where I think that's something that might appeal to them. Can you lean into that a little bit more and talk about that process on how you were able to use that equity to leverage and not have to use cash to buy those other buildings? Yeah. So the formula itself, I don't know, to be honest, that's kind of what the bank does. But whenever yeah. we look at another building to buy, my first call is always to our banker. And we have the same banker for all of our properties. We have really developed a good relationship with them. Um, I, I use them also for, for loans on my real estate side. But for our real estate investment side, I call this guy and I ask, hey, um, you know, we're looking at this. Here's how we'd like to do it. Can we buy this building? And mm -hmm. he will look at what we own. I put together a personal financial statement for him every year so that he yeah. kind of knows our finances almost better than I do. And he'll look at our right. situation and say, yes. Or in one case, we were looking at two buildings. We didn't end up doing it. But I asked him, I was like, can we do both of these? And he said, yeah. can you? Sure. Should you? Probably not. Should you? Like, okay. Right. Yeah. Yep. In our, and, uh, and the episode we just filmed, oh, the hack was that 
make sure you look at the downside of those opportunities. So I, mm -hmm. I love that you brought that up here because, you know, you're weighing these opportunities and can we do this? Well, yeah, but yeah. should we do this? I, I, I love that because that's something that I know our listeners need to be reassured of because when you're in that place, it can be so, uh, you know, you what do I do? Me. What do I do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I love that um, you said that. Yeah. Um, we, this one that we're buying now is a little different because uh -huh. the buildings that we've bought in the past have just, they've been finished. They've been rented. We've just been able to leverage that equity into a down payment, mm -hmm. be done. And then we sign the papers and it's a hundred percent loan to value, all of that. This one we're doing a construction loan for. So okay. there we're going to be cashing out some of that equity to mm -hmm. use periodically over the next year as we rebuild right. this for It'll look a little different, but we are weighing the options between um, keeping it once it's fully full and finished and full or right. flipping it once we're done with it in a year or two. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that that's a great way to look at that, too, because one of the questions I have in here, and I guess I'm going to go ahead and just go there since we kind of went there. It's about how a business can use real estate to leverage growth mm -hmm. in their business, even if let's say you don't need a a meat market, like you're, you're buying an old meat market. You don't need that building per se for yourself, but you may be able to rent that and create capital that will, mm -hmm. you can then use that as equity to go get the dream building that you want. Or you could do something yeah. like you found a building that needed some work. Well, let's get some money and build it out to what we want it to be. And, you know, and yeah. uh, we just did an episode with the economic development committee here in Tomball, where we're based out of Texas. And, I think it's important to bring up here to small business owners that make sure you're getting plugged into those communities as well, especially as a renter, you know, you as a landlord, you really want to know who's new coming into town. And the best way to know that is through those relationships, with those chambers of commerce and economic development committees. So a little shout out to the EDCs right now. I want to encourage you guys to go check them out and, Getting back to real estate with you, you said something in your website that made me kind of laugh because you are a realtor. So you're yeah. kind of, you're dealing in brick and mortar, but you said that a realtor doesn't need the brick and mortar to be successful. Now I know what you're saying, but would you like to speak to that a little bit for our audience to clarify why a realtor doesn't need brick and mortar when they're selling brick and mortar? Yeah. So, um, I work with a cloud-based brokerage. Uh, my brokerage okay. is called EXP Realty. It's international. It's huge. Um, but because of that, and the reason I chose them initially is kind of, as we kind of got into, I, we have a lot going on in our life. So oh, I needed, yeah, I needed something that I could work from home and I needed to be able to just walk down to my home office. My kids are still home. Summer break. They're going to be home throughout the year. Um, mm -hmm and just be able to plug in and not have to be like, okay, here I am realtor Kate. And then I have to leave my yeah. office to go yeah. be landlord Kate. And then I have mm -hmm. to go be, you know, wife Kate and mom Kate and homemaker mm -hmm. Kate. I can do that all from the same place. And that right. is because I just log on my computer and I'm at my office, which is great. Mm -hmm. I also work with a lot of out of town buyers. So yeah. I would say I did about five or six deals last year, which I'm not huge in any one thing that we kind mm -hmm. of approach 
how we do life as I don't need to make a hundred thousand dollars or whatever salary from one or two incomes. Hello? We can have 10 incomes each with 10,000 that's smaller for each one, but we have several. Um, so when I, I work with out of town buyers, we do a lot of zoom calls. We do everything is digital signature, right? A lot of buyers I met at closing day last year. And I've got mm-hmm. one now we're closing next month. I have not met them. I haven't, frankly seen the house yet they used to own it so um we're able to do a lot of deals online yeah no i I think that's great and i I, the thing that you mentioned in there i think is important for our audience is it kind of depends on your needs as a person an entrepreneur like what do you Mm -hmm. need in your life do you need to be at home around your kids you know that could be a great reason to start a business or, or work in a business but I love how you're like, am I work Kate? Am I mom Kate? Which which Kate am I being today? You know, and working from home for me some days, because I have kids as well. It's really nice to be able to just fly my computer open and, you know, and help them catch the bugs or whatever over there and then come back to the computer. And I'm still there. We're together. I've got interaction with my kiddo, but, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. also still getting stuff done. So it's nice. And you don't have to have the place to meet if you don't need a place to meet. There's plenty of places out here for us to have meetings. And, and, you know, like you said, you're meeting people at closings. And I think it's, that's a testament to technology and where we come. And I so appreciate you for saying that you wanted to work from home for your benefit and your family. And it wasn't, COVID that drove you to home because a lot of times on the show we're hearing that COVID is the catalyst for this online thing and how I'm glad that it got us all on the same page with the technology that we can use and we can do stuff from home. I think it's important to note that we got to make sure that we're we're hitting our needs and our company's needs. Um, yeah. And I, I love that you're able to do that. That's great because typically the place that you're going to be showing, you could go meet the person there as well. So that's awesome. For sure. Yeah. And I, I I did get licensed during COVID. So that was all happening. But when I started looking at my license and going through that process and thinking of the broker that I wanted to join, I knew from the start that I wanted to be flexible in that way. So it wasn't necessarily COVID, but it just happened at the same time. Yeah. I just like that. It, that's been such a black flag in all the podcast episodes mm-hmm. or every business thing that we talked about. But I think it just goes to show how hard we took a hit on that one. And we're just now starting to get back to some normalcy, if you will, you know. In certain parts I of think, the country, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. How, so we kind of we got into this a little bit about being a parent and entrepreneur and working from home is one of those ways that you find that balance. Mm-hmm. Is there another way that you found that for me, I'm really curious about this. How do you manage that mom versus entrepreneurial, you know, how do you manage those two roles? So it's not always as easy because my kids are eight, three and nine months. Um, mm-hmm. so nine months. My, wow. Yeah. She's a baby. I take her a lot with me. Um, right. So I'll and show up to a showing with a baby and mm-hmm. I have never had anybody say anything negative. In fact, a lot of my clients love having the baby there and right. um, she just hangs out. She, she doesn't really interrupt anything. It just kind of, she's there. Yeah. Um, my three-year-old, I used to, I cannot do that anymore because it's less <laughs> than compliant. Um, but yeah. 
he that does attention span starts to matter there at three years man. old. That attention span, yeah, can't and quite keep them as occupied as easily. <laughs> no, no, not so much. But he does go to daycare two to three days a week, mm-hmm. so that's helpful. Um, yeah. My husband also works from home now as well, and that's been the oh, last nice. couple months. So, like this, for example, I'm in our downtown office space. It's not built out yet, but I was mm-hmm. able to leave and come here and my kids yeah. are home with dad. So that's right. helpful. That way you could have a quiet place to do a awesome podcast. I appreciate that. I yep. appreciate that on my end. That way I don't have to cut them out. I wouldn't mind if they were here either, but I do appreciate not having to oh, cut them out yeah. in the background. Yeah. We have a few clients that occasionally, and even my own child has sat through a podcast episode playing on something in the corner, yep. <laughs> but it happens. Yep. And I, I love it that does. though, because it helps build the culture, especially the entrepreneur culture. Cause I can't tell you how many times in this show or in our other show, small business origins, where we kind of just talk about how you became an entrepreneur on that show. This is a little Mm -hmm. more focused to the tactics in that. The other one's more about the story, but anyway, on that show and this show, a lot of the origin stories that we hear are about my dad or my mom took me with mm-hmm. them to do this thing. And a lot of times it's not even the industry that they're in. It's something completely different, but they learn some of them entrepreneurial foundations, values, way of thinking. I'm not exactly sure how I want to word that, but I think you know what I'm saying. There, There's something about entrepreneurs that's a little bit different and we kind of just, we go after stuff. And like our last guest, uh, last guest was saying, you, like our last guest was saying, when, when you're faced with an opportunity, you got to look at that downside because it could cost you something in your business and in your entrepreneurial. And as an entrepreneur, you know, we always want to go for, go for gold. You know, we, we have that mindset of nothing is impossible for us. And, you know, you want to freeze the sun? Well, sure. We'll get some ice and we'll figure it out. I'll get a big ladder. We'll, we'll do it. I don't know how, but yeah, we'll do it. And as entrepreneurs, we often have that mindset, but it's important for us to realize that we're also capable of not hitting those marks. Or there may be bad, just mistactical things that we can do. And so I, I love what you're bringing to the table here. You're talking about how, you know, I had these ideas in mind from before I started doing this of how I wanted it to look. And then you created that. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. We kind of do a brute force method, um, which mm-hmm. we're really doing in one of our other businesses my husband's working on. Uh, but it's we, we don't give up on things. We really we don't start a, something huge and then back away yeah. from it. But at the same time, I'm not trying to be this super high producing agent right now because that's mm-hmm. not in line with what my life looks like. But right. I'm setting the foundation so that at the time when my kids are old enough that they're all self-sufficient, mm-hmm. I can then dedicate more of that time, but I've already built that base that I can then grow off of. Yes. So right now yes. I'm, I'm here to build the base. I'm not here to do a hundred deals a year. Mm-hmm. My goals are smaller because that's what my life is like right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so great. Like make, 
make realistic goals. This is exactly what we mean when we say this on this show is what do you really want in life and what are you really trying to get out of it? Because if you get, you know, tons of new business, but you're tied to your business and have no time for family or friends, then maybe that's not the best position for you to be in. So really be lodged, you know, really think about what you're doing. Think about what you want and realize that when you set your hands to something that it's going to create something. And so really be intentional about what you're creating. Do you mind talking about some of the challenge? Oh, go ahead. What was that? No, I didn't. You're good. Oh, sorry. It kind of jumbled there. You know how the internet does. Um, can you talk about one of your biggest challenges? Now, I know that can be a little daunting, but one of your biggest challenges that you faced as an entrepreneur, specifically in real estate? Yeah. Um, so time, of course, but that's everyone's mm-hmm. challenge. For me, yeah. it's <laughs> I'm a solopreneur. Um, I don't have assistance. I don't really have people mm-hmm. working for me. So I am all the hats at every time. And all right, solopreneurs, are, listen up yeah. right now. We're talking to one, all right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm really good at some things. I am not good at other things, but I will learn it. Um, mm-hmm. A challenge for me is honestly marketing. I love it. I can do it. I just, for me, being consistent at the top of the funnel, if we look at mm-hmm. kind of uh, funneling your business yeah, yeah, down, yeah. I'm not great at the top because I have to have everything planned out. And if I have a plan in front of me, I can work towards executing it, but I need to plan things. Okay. So that's part of it. And then also just like finding the individual time to like, I only have one hour to do this. Okay. Well then I need to do this in one hour versus Mm -hmm. I have the day. Um, I found different ways then if I looking at a challenge though and saying, how do I accomplish this? You just mm-hmm. kind of have to work through what your reality looks like and say, if I'm not good at the marketing funnel top line, because mm-hmm. well, then what's, what's in it for them. If they see a social media ad and they click on it, then what? So yeah, where are they going? Yeah. Yeah. What's happening then? I have to then create the next mm-hmm. level and then the next level. Yeah. What I found I'm working on doing what I found works for me and how I'm kind of approaching it is I'm starting at the bottom of the funnel. And I'm looking at how am I addressing and how am I nurturing the clients that I have and the people that I've already closed. All right, then Mm -hmm. what's next? And then what's next? And so I know I'll get to the posting consistently on social media, but I will have a machine built by that point so that when Mm -hmm. they click on the social media ad, then they, they're already in the system. Yeah, no, that's your, you say you're struggling with marketing, but it sounds like you got your plan actually in place. I think your plan's further along than you even think, honestly. Yeah. It's the details that are stressing you out. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you kind of get some anxiety over, oh my goodness, everyone says I should be on YouTube and on Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. and all this. And Mm -hmm. I'm not, um, right. But it's, I can reach out to my email list. I've got 600 people in my email list. Mm -hmm. How did they get there and how can I help them? Well, and just to encourage you and any other solopreneurs out there that are listening right now, that you can't do more than you can do and you only need to do, let me, let me rephrase that. You only need to post in social where your people are. Does that make sense? If you don't have a demographic that's on YouTube, 
I wouldn't worry about it at the moment. Is it something to grow into? Yes. Is mm-hmm. it where you start? No. Yeah. So you, I, I think you have a better idea of where of where you are than you really think you do. And it sounds like you're creating that plan and working backwards. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, a lot of times in creating calls to action, that's where we start. What do we yeah. want to have happen? All right, let's work backwards from there. How do we lead them down this path? And that's all a funnel really is. If they do this, how do I convince them to get the sale? And Mm -hmm. so that's really all your funnel building is. If X happens, then Y, you know, that's really all you're, you're setting up and you can automate stuff like that to where, you know, when this client comes in and, you know, they book an appointment for a viewing, when that happens, you can have that automatically send it into your funnels to where now they're getting an automated email that says, Hey, saw you booked an appointment. That's great. If you'd like to book another one, here's some other properties we have, you know, just throw a couple things out. When you have an appointment and you haven't, you've sent out an email and let's say there's no reply on that email. We could set automations in that funnel to where, you know, uh, Hey, I noticed that you didn't respond to anything. Did you find another house or would you like to look at some of these or you want to talk about that one again? You know, the, the details, you can work on that stuff and shop that stuff out. But if you've had the end, if you have those big frameworks in place, don't stress so much about the details, start doing something. And when it doesn't convert the way you want it to, then you make a change. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? I wouldn't stress too much about it. I think you have a better idea than you think you do, honestly. And yeah, marketing is everybody's struggle because what worked today may not work tomorrow. What works for guy, John over here doesn't work for Kate over there. You know, we're you and I are not marketed to the same way. We're just not because we have different interests and different. Now we have similarities. There's probably some crossover where I can market to both of us the same way. Parents, Mm -hmm. we have that in common. So there's some common ground where we can market to different people with the same content. But it's really being intentional. And it sounds like you are intentional. And that's that's where you want to be. You want to be very intentional about what you're doing, because if you're just gathering leads and gathering leads, like in the last episode we recorded, we were talking about doing these experiential marketing events, you know, setting up a booth at an event or store or somewhere. And yes, this is great. But if I met a thousand people today, I got a thousand emails, but I didn't send them anything. It was a complete waste of my time. And so, you know, it sounds like you have the hard part down, which is being intentional. That's really the hardest part is being intentional. And so I just encourage you continue doing what you're doing, build out your funnels and try some stuff. Don't. For a long time, we were afraid to post stuff on social because, oh, I look funnier. I don't like the way the hair is poking out of my hat right there. So I'm not going to put this online. And now it's like, you know, the content is more important than how I feel about how I look. The things that we're telling business owners, this stuff needs to get out there. Over 50% of small businesses fail. And that's terrible. We just, we need to help each other out. We need to talk to each other about how to do this thing and and we need to see small business succeed or else the pricing models are going to get real weird at some point. Yeah. yeah. So I'll get down off my soapbox now. We can get back to Kate and realtor. Uh, I, I'm glad that you shared those challenges for me uh, in that way too, because being vulnerable and talking about what bothers us is the only way we're going to grow. 
And so I really appreciate you for sharing that with us. We already talked about balance in life. It threw that question in there twice. I guess because you had three kids, I was going to ask you a couple times about balancing uh, life and parenting. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. So here, here's a question about the real estate industry as a whole. And I don't know. Uh, I mean, I have a house, but that's about my extent with real estate is getting that one house. So <laughs> if you could clue us in a little bit, um, where do you see the real estate marketing or real estate marketing, where do you see the real estate in industry going in the next few years? Um, so it's, it is first entirely dependent on the market, um, each individual Ooh. market, because I'm yeah. in Northwest Iowa. I'm in a small town. What mm -hmm. I noticed in 2021 and like all the real craziness that we've seen is we stayed, we don't see the volatility we may go yeah. up and we may go down a little bit with everything else, but we did not have houses that sold for a hundred thousand above appraised value. That just didn't mm -hmm. happen here yeah. because of that. Yeah. Then we are not seeing a crash like they're seeing on other parts of the country. Um, mm -hmm. We stay pretty stable. That said, I mean, that we did jump in 2021. We did jump quite a bit, but yeah. Since 2021, we're within a percent or two. Before 2021, we were within a percent or two. The real estate market is always going to increase because it's a hard asset, and that's what hard assets do. Um, yeah. So yeah. people worried about, well, it's interest rates are at 6% now, and they were at 2% two years ago. Yeah. True, but 2% is not a thing that happens. That's just put that out of your mind. <laughs> That yeah, say that exist. one more time for everybody in the back, please. <laughs> the 2% interest rate just doesn't happen. Like, it, just forget go. about it. It's not going yeah. to get there. 5% is still pretty good, especially when you consider, let's say, a student loan. You want to talk about another type of situation. Those mm -hmm. My student loans were at 5% back when I had them. Now we're looking yeah. at a mortgage at 5%. We mm -hmm. have no problem taking out student loans at 5%. There's no mm -hmm. asset attached to that. You look at a mortgage at 5% and all of a sudden we're afraid. Well, we shouldn't be afraid um, because we're yeah. going to get the money when we sell it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll speak to that too. I was totally scared going in and buying a house. Like, mm -hmm. what are we doing here? You know, like, there's a lot of numbers out here on the table and yeah. what does all this mean? And I probably signed 30 pieces of paper and I could tell you what five of them meant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it just, well, it was kind of a daunting task. It's a daunting task, but in part it's just it's perspective because when you buy a house, you're looking at a note for a two hundred thousand dollars, whatever number you're buying, right? And even if it's one hundred thousand dollars, you're looking at those six decimal points, those five zeros, and you're like, oh my right. goodness, what's going on? Versus yeah. twenty thousand dollar, twenty five thousand dollar student loan, you don't think in your mind when you're signing those papers. No, that's four years of twenty five thousand yeah. dollars. You just say, mm -hmm. oh, $25,000 in student loans. Yeah, that's for one year. You you did that four times. You're looking at right. the same amount of money. One just looks bigger because you're seeing the whole thing out front. Right. And, and let's spin this a little bit too. You consider your college tuition, your student loans, as an investment in yourself, right? Yeah, you do. And Absolutely. so would not an investment in a property, if you can use equity to buy other mm -hmm. buildings... Would yep. it not be an investment in yourself as well? Like, like you're kind of getting my gears turning over here. I'm a real estate mogul down here in Texas. <laughs> I might call you a yeah, few times with some questions. Our, it, it does. It has an impact on your net worth when you look through, because you don't lose the money. 
I mean, right. you pay off that mortgage over time and sort on your balance sheet. Yes, the debt comes out of the asset, but at the very, at the worst, what are you at zero? You're no mm -hmm. better than you were before you bought the house. Uh, so you're, it looks like a lot and it is a lot and you do have to have some collateral. You have to have some foundation to stand right. on. But if you have a good job and you've had a good credit score and you're looking at renting because it's safe or buying a house, which seems daunting, mm -hmm. you will be in no better or worse position. Well, you'll be in, on the balance sheet. You'll be in the exact same position you were mm -hmm. beforehand, even after buying the house. But in 10, 20, 30 years, when that house is paid for, your, your net worth is going to be a lot higher and you would be able to leverage that over time if you wanted to make some improvements, if you wanted to buy a rental property, that's income for you. Um, you know, utilizing debt to grow yourself and grow your business, it's it's huge and it's very yeah. much underutilized. No, definitely. It definitely is. And it's something that people definitely need to understand and, and operate in because, you know, we're missing out. We're missing mm -hmm. opportunities over here. And so we really, real estate might be a scary game. It might, you might be saying as a business, like, oh my goodness, there ain't no way that we could buy this building right now. But I'll tell you right now at Beefy Marketing, two years ago, we were saying the same thing and we're sitting in our building right now that we bought. So yeah, put your, put your hand to the plow and your set your goals and, and the details, they'll stress you out, but you'll figure them out. Like if well, you've got your big, yeah. I say it just increases your value for your time also. Like mm -hmm. four years ago when we were both working, or I, I was working from home four years ago, but my husband was still working a full-time job. He was making X amount of dollars per hour. Well, he shows up to work at eight o'clock in the morning and he clocks out at 5 p.m. at night and he gets a certain amount of money every two weeks for those mm -hmm. hours. Yeah. Now he works for himself. And even in the last three or four months, we've kind of talked about this last night. He's like, I think I've billed out the same amount of money that I earned all of last year, just in the last three months. Yeah. And that's not including our rental income that we've got coming in. That's mm -hmm. just his contracting job. And so not only is he able to bill out much more value-wise for his time, he was able to take off work on Wednesday around noon when my son got out of the last day of school and we all went out to lunch together. There was no, yeah. no way that he'd be able to do that two, three years ago right. or he'd be losing money. And now he's not losing money. He's just showing up at a different time to the job. I love that you brought that up too, because the hits my heart as a dad and an entrepreneur. Yeah, you can you can afford to take off work. Like you hear a lot of times, people, I can't afford to take off work, and whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, you you want to be able to afford those kind of things, and you want to set yourself up for success, and you want to use every asset that you possibly can against you. So or not mm -hmm. against you, but for you. Um, yes. That's just great. Uh, I think I got to ask here if you got one hack, just one thing that you would leave a business owners that was beneficial for you or may apply to real estate or just what do you want to leave our listeners with here? I'm going to roll this sound effect and then you give it to us. Here it goes. Hacks! My hack is a productivity tool that I have kind of worked through how I handle all the things we've got going on and I call it looping. 
So I sat down, I made a list of every category of thing that I have to do, not Mm -hmm. every day, but regularly, whether it's budgeting, content creation, prospecting, cleaning my house. Um, I also include something that just makes me happy, brings me joy um, in there so that I can continue to do that too. That's also important. Yes, very important to do that. So I've got 10 things on my list and I try to get about five done a day. And I just loop through them for about an hour. If I spend an hour cleaning my house, that's better than nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm regularly getting to these things. I'm not overthinking it. And if I get a text from a tenant that they need something, I don't have to drop whatever I'm doing. I can put it on Mm -hmm. the task list for my general tasks loop. So I just loop through my life and through my day. And I know I have to get these five things done today. Or, you know, I'll put on till tomorrow if they don't get finished. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's pretty much how I operate too. I have an ongoing list of things and some of them are, they're cyclic, you know, they happen once a week or so. So yeah, I need Mm -hmm. to work on this and I need to get it done by this day. But I, I find that if I spend 30 minutes, like before this podcast recording, I had about 15 minutes and I was just going to sit here and play on my phone and twiddle my thumbs. But I also full disclosure, I'm tired, don't feel very good, and I'm ready to go home. So I'm leaving at noon today. So I was trying to wrap up a couple other things in that time so that when we're done here, I can go home. (laughs) And uh, it's just maximizing that time. It's, It's making sure that you're using your time to the best of your ability. But I find that if I even spend that 15 minutes that I just spent on that task, even though it's not done, it's 15 minutes further along than it was 15 minutes ago. And it will only take me about two minutes when I finish this to get done with that. And then I can go on home. You know, I don't have to go to lunch and come back today. So it's going to be nice. And I can afford to do that because I I love that you mentioned time in there. My uncle used to tell me something growing up. I mean, I got a lot of uncles, so I got a lot of quotes. But one of my uncles used to say growing up, they're not making any more land. And I will add to that, they're not making any more time either. And the clock keeps running regardless of what we do. So it's very important that we're intentional about what we're doing during that clock running time and making sure that we're adding something in there for our joy. That's uh, I'm glad you said that too, because I'm kind of working on a book right now. And the first chapter is kind of about seeking joy or something else will find you. So you gotta you gotta seek out some joy too. It can't be all work no play make John dull boy, right? <laughs> so we we gotta have some fun. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. Well, awesome. I thank you so much for giving us the time today, Kate. You know, real estate is such a scary world for me to explore, but it's not that scary after all. Thank you for letting me know that. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners before we get out of here? Um. I think one thing that kind of changed and started us on this journey is I read a book and I kind of clued in that you can, money is the absolute, you can do anything for money. Money is the Mm -hmm. most available resource out there. You can trade everything for it, including your time. And most people do. When you talk about they don't make more time. Well, yeah, Yeah. you can, you can trade your time for money or you can Mm -hmm. choose to trade other things for money, like leverage, like whatever you can always get more money. Yep. Yep. I love that. You can always find money somewhere. 
as a business owner today, I think today's hack was great. It's a good productivity tool. But what I want to leave you with out there, small business nation, take time for yourself and your family. Don't uh, don't build a business all the way up to realize that you have no family or friends left around you. Make sure you take that me time, take that family time, and 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 make sure that you're not just running circles around your business and building something that really isn't going to pay off for you. Like look at the, look at the downside of the angles. All right, small business nation. It's been great. Kate, thank you so much for coming on. We've had some thought reflecting today. I think we've got some things to think about as business owners and Maybe we're going to have to go invest in some real estate. But before we get out of here, I wouldn't be doing my due diligence, Kate, if I didn't give you the opportunity to tell our guests if she said something that sparked with you today, you want to further a conversation with Kate, how would our listeners go about doing that? So my website is katepadilla.com. On mm-hmm. Instagram, I am Kate M. Padilla. Uh, those are probably the two biggest places. Um, Facebook, I kind of do keep for family and stuff. Although I do have Kate Padilla EXP is on, is the page on there as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would, my website and my Instagram are probably the biggest too. Awesome. So there you have it. Hit her up on her website or Instagram, katepadilla.com. Is that correct? katepadilla.com and katempadilla for Instagram. There it is. All right. Well, that's been another week, Small Business Nation. Make sure you go out there and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing on this show. They really help with the algorithms and will help us get found by more Small Business Nationers out there. So we will see you guys next week. Thank you all for listening, subscribing. We love you. Crush it in your businesses this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.